Welcome to Tormenting Tarmac. On this podcast, we aim to take you on a journey of storytelling, getting to know enthusiasts from different communities and with different automotive backgrounds. It's about fellowship, showing the automotive world it doesn't matter what you love about cars and driving, what matters is that you love cars and driving. We also want to have conversations with you, the listener, about what your automotive passions are. What are the things about the automotive space that bring you the most joy? Talk about your love and our love for all motorsports and continue to learn things from all the different sections of it. We want everyone to be able to learn from one another. And this is a podcast for every level of driver and every level of enthusiast. So on behalf of my co-host, Ron Morris, my name is Jorge Aquino, and we welcome you to Tormenting Tarmac, where the enthusiast never dies. something strange on the racetrack who are you gonna call the tarmac busters oh yeah that's right oh, episode goodness. 13 coming at you live and direct <laughs> jorge aquino rodriguez the man the myth the legend the captain of tormenting tarmac but i do have a co-captain as always except for one episode because he wasn't able to make it because i was recording on a sunday morning but ronald robert morris the third is with me live and in the flesh directly from michigan Talk to me, my brother. Ladies and gentlemen, I apologize on Jorge's incredible intro there, but at the same time, I don't apologize because if you're listening to this, you know what you're getting into. Preach. These are the facts. <laughs> These are the facts. It is Tormenting Tarmac, the podcast where the enthusiast never dies. We never mentioned right. our actual slogan last episode because we basically completely what? forgot. It's How okay. No, no, no. Us. It's okay because How we really need to stick it in there. People need to know that on this podcast... Die. You know, whether you're 17, you're 47, you're 32 or 31, or if you're 86, doesn't matter. If you're an enthusiast, you will never die. And you Unless will you've literally that. been 86, and then this you're dead. This is true. This is very true. You, will, you won't die. Even if you're in your grave rolling over, you won't die, even That's though right. you're dead. Very important <laughs> for you guys to know that. Guys, it's, I feel good. I feel bad, but I feel good, Ron. You know what I mean? It feels, it feels good to see you. I don't know. I think we record too little, and that's probably why I get so yeah. amped up. Yeah. Um, but it's just it just feels big, you know. And and not to mention, here's why I'm feeling so great because a lot of things have happened over the last few weeks. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were so graciously joined by your friend Dylan, um, and hopefully you will have listened to that episode about his incredible racing background and everything that he just does because he's an awesome SOB. He really is. So shout out to Dylan. Dylan, if you're listening, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for your wonderful insight. We do appreciate that so much. And then prior to that, on episode 11, you know, um, we had a couple of photographers here from the Arizona area, which I kind of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, um, one of which today um, they unveiled their uh, photo shoot that was featured in a Forbes automotive review That's by Carl cool. Brower, who was famously known cool. for selling his GT to Doug Namuro, which 
it's crazy anyways shout out to alex who joined us a couple of episodes ago what an incredible achievement and just utter congratulations on that so i'm feeling great ron essentially that's what i'm getting at um how are you feeling as i hear mateo crying in the background <laughs> i'm doing well better than mateo uh i am doing well uh hot human day here in michigan but you know what it's good um busy as can be trying to make progress on the old c4 and mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Three weeks ago, we did mention, or three episodes ago, I should say, uh, we mentioned that Ron, of course, uh, added a C4 Corvette, uh, to his fleet. And, uh, we went into detail about what the plans were for that car. Um, everything yep. that he's currently done. Um, yep. I know that you've done a couple of updates, but nothing too crazy to move it forward. But can you give us a little bit of a hint of what's going on? Yeah, it made some more progress on the old front suspension there. Um, it's almost back together. Um, and I got a seat rail and I need to put a seat in it. And I got uh, some exhaust to put in. Um, and I'm hoping actually I'm going to make a lot of progress this week. We will see. Uh, and things going to be on the road soon. Also on the C3. Ooh, uh, you yes, my attention, I had, my friend, as always. Quite a while ago, I ordered a frame for it. Um, I'm going to a tubular frame, which I am capable of making myself, uh, but that is a lot of time. So I ordered one and uh, they called me earlier this week, late last week, uh, and they're about to get started on it. So that is very exciting. That is beautiful. I did not know about this. This is the first time I hear. Oh, about I didn't tell you about this. No, yes, no, no, no. Tubular like frame and been really dormant. Yeah, it has been. Um, my life's been nuts, but yeah, tubular frame and C5 suspension bolts up to it. Uh, and I'm having them tweak a few suspension things here and there. Uh, so to help me do what I want to do. Uh, yeah, it's going to be good. You know, uh, as I've told you countless times throughout our friendship, um, I live vicariously through you and your ownership of this thing, right? I really do. Um, so when you tell me things such as a tubular frame, it, this brings me great joy. I also want to say that's not totally tubular, bro. Um, it's, you know, I, I feel <laughs> like I need to say that. Totally, bro. Yo, that, what's another one? That, uh, uh, it's, it's totally radical, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, you really uh, need to add the yeah, right? Right in yeah. there. Um, that sounds terrific. Oh, my God. I can't wait for that car to be done. Oh, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while patience is a virtue see you you, you kind of shot yourself in the foot but then did. that didn't really I by did. buying another project i know and then you're like i'm gonna go racing it's like okay well now that takes precedent over this car but i don't know it's a, it's a problem it's a cool problem to have i suppose yep. Yep. You know? but it's okay um by the way speaking of things being on the road or basically getting worked on let's go ahead and just jump into one of our first topics here ronald um you kind sir over uh maybe three or four weeks ago i want to go ahead and say um your grandfather's car is now in your position position possession excuse me um can you i posted about this um already on tormenting tarmac which by the way excuse me allow me to plug Please go check out Tormenting Tarmac on Instagram at Tormenting Tarmac. You can also find Ronald Robert Morris III at hounds.and.horsepower. And you can go ahead and find me at the one and only JMan19 on Instagram. Please go check us out, especially Tormenting Tarmac. Tormenting Tarmac is uh, just a great little page. It really you is. You do a good job with the word. You know, I thank you. Thank you, Ronald. I, that, that actually brings me great joy. I mean, we do have a couple. We're starting to gain a little bit of traction. Small. 
a baby steps is what we're taking here. Baby steps. So I want to appreciate anyone who started to following the the, the page. But if you're interested in it, please go check it out. I do post stories daily and I'm trying to go ahead and post more content on the the weekly as well. But uh, that being said, please go check that out. Um, That being said, we go back. I was talking about your grandfather's car, which is now in your possession that you got running recently. And it is so wicked. So wicked. Can you tell us more about it, kind sir? Yes. So technically it is my dad's now. Um, so it was my great grandpa, Ron, the OG Ron Morris, because uh, I'm the third. Uh, Ron and it the is, first. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Ron the first. And it is a 1950 Ford Crestliner. Uh, so so back then, you know, for people who may not be familiar with older cars like that, it wasn't like, oh, f- you know, car manufacturers, Ford, whoever had all these different models. It was just this was a 1950 Ford and this is a 1950 Ford truck and that was how it worked. But in these, within that, like, okay, this 1950 Ford, they would have uh, trim levels of the car. So the crest liner was like the top level trim. Um, and it had all the bells and whistles of the era of, uh, you know, fancy vinyl top and nice interior, two-tone paint, chrome, Flathead V8, that kind of stuff. So, yes, 950 Ford, Flathead V8, 100 hertz pers, uh, three on the tree. Nice. Uh, manual trans. Yep. Um, I've driven a three on the tree before, Ron. I think I've told you this. Um, my father in law used to own a mid 60s F100. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting how a tr- three on the tree works because technically, so it's first, second, third, neutral. And then you got to go way above first to get to reverse. Is that right? Or does it depend on what you're driving? Was that a manual or an automatic? There's a three-speed manual, three on the tree. Yeah, okay. This is a manual, but it's not like that. Interesting. For this, it's still an H pattern. Reverse is up to the left. Okay. First is down to the left. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm getting almost like a dog leg. And then third, sorry, second is up to the right. So like, I don't know if I should say to the right. First is down towards you. Second is up away from you because it's on towards the column, dash. Right? Okay, and then towards three the is towards you again. Is, above? No, three is down towards the dash. Yeah, that's so confusing. Yeah, like if you're looking at it from the end of the shifter, it's sure. an H pattern, but it's kind of like a dog leg. Reverse is top left. Right. Versus bottom left. That's there. Yeah. So, anyway, anyway, so his I don't know if it was his first or his something like that. One of his first cars was a 1950 Ford. Um, that he hot rodded back in the day in this cool car club that he was in called the Bearing Burners. Um, that sounds bitching. Yeah, exactly. And then he has had a whole slew of freaking awesome cars that I've been meaning to make a post for, and I will share it with you when I do. Um, and then ultimately, uh, late 80s, early 90s, something like that, uh, he wanted to go back to his first car he ever had. So he bought a 1950 Ford and mm-hmm. restored it. Uh, extremely good job. Um or had it restored, whatever. Um, it's in it's for the most part in very good shape. I don't know, know if you can quite say like concourse, but it's yeah, good to excellent. Like it's definitely a great driver. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so um, cool. Yes. Um, and he passed away in 2012, and his wife um just kind of let the I don't want to say let the car sit. Um, she didn't want to sell it. Um, sure. so it just kind of stayed in storage in their garage. Um, and then when she eventually passed away, um, it was willed to my dad or something like that. I don't know the exact details. Um, and that's all been here in Michigan. So my dad was toying with the idea of 
shipping it to Arizona or keeping it here, maybe selling it. We're it ultimately it's his choice. It's his car. Um, I support whatever he wants to do with it. Um, and, and so right now it's in Michigan, um, cause I've got the place for it. My dad's building a garage at his house, et cetera. Um, and so when he was up a month or so ago, um, for the most part, we got it running, but we needed a couple more parts. Uh, and so I finally, those came in and I put them on and went for a little cruise with the kids. I live on a dirt farm road, which is kind of perfect for that car. Yeah. So we weren't like out on public streets, I guess. And so I just, I bet you that thing is gnarly on the dirt. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got some guts. It's a hundred yeah. horsepower, but it moves. Um, because it's got a torque I'll, though. It's got, yeah, torque. I'll say this, I'll say horsepower. this, the brakes yeah. on it aren't that great. The steering on it is very slow. It's like the Cadillac, like, you sure. know, five turns of the steering wheel to go in a corner. If anybody's ever so, watched, um, Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull, which is the fourth one, which I know people hate. I like it, but I, this stuff. <laughs> because I'm, because I'm weird, Ron, that's why you got your own stuff. That Keep going. Doing. Yeah. We're all weird. Don't we? Yeah. We're all weird. We all got our weirdness, dude. It's all good. Indiana but Jones drives something old. Um, no, the opening scene in particular is these kids like racing against people who end up being uh, the Nazis that they're, um, uh, excuse me, no, 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 excuse me, not the Nazis, uh, Russia, um, um, Soviets. Soviets, okay. And so they're street racing and whatnot. And it's this like, you know, I think it might even be a Ford Crestliner. I'd have to go ahead and look it up, but it's really cool. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're mobbing at like, you know, in the, in the early fifties and whatever yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And that's exactly what it, what I think of uh, when I see your grandfather's Crestliner. Yeah, it's yeah. super cool. Yeah. If you haven't I mean, gone to check it out, please go check. I think I put up a post on, on TT. Pretty sure I did. If not, then I owe you one. I need to do it. It's on my Instagram too. Yep. Yeah. But uh, it is very cool. Um, your dad is a, a person who is of high interest in the sense of getting him on this podcast very, very soon. He's Hopefully when cool you come down stories. to Arizona, we can go ahead and link up. Yeah. That good. would be awesome. Um, congrats on him wanting to go ahead and build a separate part in the garage uh, or down in, you know, where he lives. Um, that's pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, man, that's, it's still, this story of that respective Crestliner to me, Ronald, and I've told you this in the past, that's exactly what Tormenting Tarmac is all about. It's the stories, it's, you know, the companionship, you know, a father and a son working on his dad's car. And yeah. then and your sons grandson. are... Exactly. And then your grandsons, grandsons are... His yep. great-grandsons, yep. which are your sons and your, your dad's grandsons, you know, them enjoying their dads and their granddad's passion and stuff like that. It's just a really cool thing. You know, it's very heartwarming. And it's actually really cool that we're talking about this. We're like three days removed from from Father's Day. Ronald, we already said this to one another, but happy belated Father's Day to you, kind to sir. To you, sir, yes. And so it's just one of those, it gets you right Honestly, that was, that was the coolest part of all of it. Like, yeah. if I'm honest, that car is maybe not totally my style. It's cool. I like it, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But like... It's definitely a I cruiser. Like, I like race cars. Sure. Uh but by far the coolest part was just having my kids in it and going for just that little rip up and down our dirt road. And, yeah. you know, I just had them sitting on the front bench because fifties technology and there's no cars on our road anyway. And they just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Oh, um, yeah. That was the experience with my kids yeah. was by far the highlight, not necessarily the car itself, although it is the car itself that made the experience. So, yeah. The fact, you know, what I've always appreciated about vehicles as a whole about automotive is even though the technology is old as hell, and it is, 
the fact that that car can run nearly uh, well over 70 years later, 70, yeah. yes. you know? It, yeah, it, it is totally crazy to think about that. It, so. it just doesn't make any sense. Agreed. And Agreed. then you go ahead and see all these 1900 cars um, yeah. at the yeah. uh, at the Concords in, in Audrain in Rhode Island. Yeah. They do this yeah. rally every year, Ron. And it's like 1911, 1912 cars. I'm like, this stuff is 110 wow. years yeah. old. Did I, yeah, did I post all those model a's i saw the other day you sent them to me but you didn't actually i need uh, yes you did yeah Yeah, i can't remember yeah you anyway stories yeah what's cool when you see stuff like that granted model a's are a little slightly more sophisticated but to your point about those early 1900s cars is like you can tell they literally took a freaking horse carriage and just put an engine on it and it's a horseless carriage but it's a car it is And, and like but it's still running over 100 years later it's just it's wild. It, the car, wild. what a, what a yeah. magnificent creation. Yeah, I guess last thing on that point, last thing that I notice when I work on old cars like that or this old 50 Ford mm-hmm. uh, is like I look at like the exhaust manifold on that and it's like house plumbing. But that's just <laughs> how it was back then. And it's like, how did they not realize that this is absolutely terrible? And of course it doesn't only makes 100 horsepower because like you can't breathe through that. <laughs> And so like part of me is like, how did I realize it? And part of it is like, well, it's just technology. Like they just didn't have anything better yet. So when you anyway. first started that up really quickly, like, was it just pure black smoke coming out of the exhaust pipes? It smokes uh, quite a bit. I think we got some carb fiddling to do. Um, it's yeah. like, you need a lot of choke to get it to start. But then once it started, it's like yeah. crazy, crazy rich. So That's awesome. I don't know. I got to figure out what's going on there. But. Yeah. I mean, not that it's supposed to be rich or anything like that, but that still has, it's, it's such a great experience, especially for those yes. who own modern cars. Yes. And I, I think that era, they weren't so much worried about air fuel ratio is the fact that there is an air fuel ratio. So, sure. Yeah. They were probably it, smoking there cigarettes is gas. Were building them on the factory. Yeah, line, exactly. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. I can't see the smoke at the tailpipe through the smoke of my cigarette. <laughs> By the way, that car does not smell like cigarettes. So that's, nice. yeah, that's good. Um, what I was going to mention, and we didn't talk about this, but I will throw it out there. You talked about being busy and you also helped out somebody else. You did help your father-in-law get his, um, forgive me, a Trans Am, right? Yes. 78 yeah. Trans Am. Uh, Screaming yep. chicken, man. Yep. We worked on that a bit. That thing's got a- That's got some meat on it. 55. Uh, yep. Uh, a Pontiac motor in it. Talk about torque. Yeah. No kidding. That car is yeah. just, that car is too cool, too badass. That- that I'm is, excited. I'm excited for that to really get on the road. We got some more. He's got some more stuff to do on it. That's but. a four-speed automatic, right? Or is that a manual? Uh, four-speed manual? Yep. Now, I, oh, think it's it? a, I think it's a Muncie. I'm pretty sure it's a Muncie. That's I don't know awesome. if it's a Rock Crusher, but yeah, four-speed manual. That car is too cool, man. It that really car is. is too cool. Yeah, he's dude. He's got like the two coolest like of that type of cool. He's got uh-huh. him. He's got a '78 Trans Am and an '87 Grand National. And it's like, oh. it's like not even fair. One's black, one's white. And it's just, come on. <laughs> if if it's our so friend, cool. if our it friend is Parker so cool. is listening to this podcast, Parker, if you're actually listening, yeah, uh, pony up the dough to Ron's father-in-law, maybe he'll hook it up. <laughs> I'm, uh, nope, I won't let him. <laughs> oh, fair enough. He screwed you in high school. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm playing. I'm playing. No, but that's awesome, man. Um, yeah so you've been incredibly busy with that stuff that's that's very very cool um we've got some more stuff to go ahead and get into towards the middle of the podcast here there was one thing that went ahead and came about today not to change the subject into something so negative but part of the podcast that we like is really not only sharing our our love for 
automotive and car culture and driving culture in particular right um but we also are big racing fans you know we talked about it last episode we went into like 90 minutes deep with dylan in regards to grassroots motorsports and then as you all know if you've listened to this podcast in the past ronald and i are big fans of formula one ronald's a huge indie uh indie imsa nascar fan i'm getting into those motorsports myself but earlier today you know sometimes you have to go ahead and really call out the you really got to call out the BS when it happens, you know? Yes. Um, and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but unfortunately we live in a world where people think that they can just go ahead and rifle off whatever they want because they're just, you know, they have no filter. Learn to have a filter. That's the first thing I want to go ahead and say to people. Learn to have a filter. Be- you know, people sometimes they feel like, oh my God, I'm so proud. I don't have a filter. Sometimes you come across seem- sounding like an absolute asshole. Okay. Um, and if you want to go ahead and do that, that's fine. And if you want to be proud of people not liking you, that's fine. But at the same time, just don't be an asshole. Like that would be greatly appreciated. And so earlier today, there was a individual, um, Jury Vips is I believe how you pronounce his name. Now Jury is on the Red Bull Junior team. Um, actually, that's incorrect. The Red Bull Junior Junior team would actually be Alpha Tauri. Um, he is in the Red Bull Academy. Yeah, is that, Red Bull is that Junior right? Driver. Thank Essentially, you. he's contracted under Red Bull to potentially make it to have one if he's good enough. He's yes. in Formula Two, was in Formula Two. Yes, he was. Thank you, Ronald. <laughs> exactly. Um, Based on, I'll, I'll let you get to it. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm just going to get straight into it. This is the statement that came from Red Bull earlier today. Red Bull Racing has suspended junior driver Jury Vips from all team duties with immediate effect pending a full investigation into his respective incident. We'll tell you what the incident is in a second. As an organization, we condemn any abuse of any kind and have a zero tolerance policy to racist language or behavior within our organization. Basically, Jury Vips was suspended by Red Bull because he thought that it was funny to go ahead and use a racial and homophobic slur on a Twitch stream. If you are a fan of big motorsports, you would know that a couple of years ago throughout the COVID pandemic, when everybody was doing racing streams, whether it was F1 drivers or NASCAR drivers or whatever it is that they were doing, you know, Kyle Larson, the current Sprint Cup champion in NASCAR, echoed a racial slur on a live stream. which got picked up by everybody and their mother. And he was basically kicked out of NASCAR for the next 12 months. Yep. If you've listened to this podcast in the past, you will know that I have strong feelings in regards to Kyle Larson. I respect him. I don't like him, but I respect him. Jury Vips essentially went ahead and did the exact same thing, except even worse. I would (laughs) say even worse, exactly. Even worse, which, which is hilarious, Ronald, because you and I talked about this twice before we started the show. You can't get much worse. Whenever you drop a racial slur, it's already bad. You yes. are ignorant. It's hard to it's hard to it's hard to make it any worse. And somehow and somehow did, but yeah. somehow somehow jury vips. So so I guess to set the level here, what he did is he was streaming playing video games with his friends. So he knows that he's streaming. Uh and dropped a the N-word, a racial slur. And like, did it, how do I say, he didn't like say it in the way you would say, what's up, homie. He said it in an intentionally vulgar, offensive, curse word type of way. So like already it's not okay. And then to do it with that intent is like, what I, the word is no excuse Ronald. for it, but it's just, that's yeah. not even enough. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And not to interrupt it's you, but wild. the only word that I can come up with is it's wild. idiotic. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so it's one thing to do all that, which is insanely bad. But another thing, like, he has one of the most coveted uh, positions in motorsports. In Formula One, certainly. Certainly, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the world is his oyster, if you will, if he if he can do it. Uh, and uh, it just shows he's got no worldview, no respect, no... Yeah. Like the, the maturity level is like non-existent. Yeah. You yeah, know, and just, I don't know how old it, uh, it, it comes across as um, extraordinarily entitled and careless and better than yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to no. take over what you're saying. It's just, it's. I'm glad baffling. you did. It's, because it's you baffling, said it much more eloquently than Baffling that this day and age people continue to do stuff like that like especially after something as high profile as kyle larson which okay i guess f1 doesn't necessarily pay attention to nascar because they think they're better but still like just how just how just freaking insane also to some extent shame on red bull um they did what they reacted as they should have mm. but if someone's as high as formula two, like how do you not already have media training and things like that? Maybe they already do. And this guy is just that bad. I don't know, but um, it's like, granted, I don't know the person, so I don't know how totally fair this is for me to say, but like from what I'm reading on Reddit and things like that, he's like notoriously known to just be an a-hole and be a a rude and terrible and callous person. Which is hilarious because we just saw Nikita Mazepin get dragged through the mud, rightfully so, uh, for the last like 13, 14 months. And everybody knew he was an absolute dick bag and a half, excuse my language, but he was, and he made it to F1 and people did not want him to take that seat at Haas next to baby Shumi. They didn't want him. Right. So how do we know about Nikita Mazepin? And, and then continue to, to fair, do Nikita Mazepin was just kind of showing off his personality as he went on. So maybe that's perhaps the bad example, but you know, or perhaps maybe it was the fact that Nikita yeah. Mazepin's personality and, was so grandiose in a bad perspective that it allowed um, jury's personality to kind of hide behind the shadows and people didn't realize what was going on with him because everybody was focused on Nikita. Yeah. Like, yeah maybe, maybe, but like same, this, this doesn't make it better because I freaking hate no, this about motorsports, but Nikita was a pay driver. Sure. But Red Bull is choosing to pay this kid. Yeah, this is, this is one of those guys that's actually good he's, because yes. he's in the red and like you because have to be the, be yes. the best of the best to be in the yes, Red you Bull don't Academy. Get, you don't get in the Red Bull Academy for being a pay driver. You get in the Red Bull Academy yeah. for being fast. Right? Exactly. Same thing with um, with. Uh, and if McLaren. it's like, if it's like Red Bull is like, okay, look, he's young. He's got some things on the personal side to work out how to get this far i don't know anyway i don't want to no neither do i i'll yeah, say i'll say this final last ridiculous. thing ridiculous yeah i know and but I, I just we needed to get it out there because yeah, yeah. it's just you know yeah to, to say both a a, a a racist slur and by the way we didn't mention that he also mentioned a homophobic slur yeah that's on, right on top of that i don't know if it was a slur but he just was anti hope anti or homophobic yeah. comments Yes. You know, yes, which he thought that it was saying. a good idea to do during Pride Month. Way to go, way, way to go, jury. Once again, the guys got no real view. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but my 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 last point was to think that you thought that that would fly somehow, some way, when the biggest personality in Formula One is Lewis Hamilton, who is clearly half black. 
who like just it goes back to your sense of entitlement perhaps or whatever and this isn't meant to go ahead and say that all white people are entitled that's not what i am saying on the contrary that's not true at all but what i am saying is dependent i don't care what part of the world you're in you know i'm pretty sure we know that there are certain words there that you just don't say when you're a specific color of your skin you just don't yeah yep and yep. It, it irritates me it angers me a lot actually um but i'm gonna let it slide ronald because that on tt tt is a sense of of pride and, and great joy that i get uh recording on a bi-weekly basis or a, bi uh, a monthly basis i should say so jury vips um screw you and uh enjoy your year-long absence from red bull dick um that being said <laughs> ronald um you and i did a couple of things during our little mini break if you will as i knock off my glasses off my face i'm sorry about that but we did a couple of cool things you went to belle isle um i did you did a um i guess you would say like a pra not a practice session per se but well no actually it was yeah. more of a practice yeah. session because you went on a friday for the detroit grand prix for both imsa and indie which i didn't run, i didn't realize that they run it same weekend which is actually yep. really cool yep. they times. do that a couple times in the year yeah that's yeah. really awesome. i wish they did i wish they did it more often it's yeah. freaking awesome well formula one does it with f2 and f3 so i guess it's kind of the same thing but these are entirely two different racing organizations yeah. yep. which makes it really cool yep. um so you did that i went to uh radford racing school uh not last weekend but the weekend previous because uh the gold rush rally which is one of those like you know rallies that people do here in the united states uh second day they were attending scottsdale and they were like hey let's go ahead and take these supercars out to the track so i did that you did belle isle let's talk about belle isle first and i'll go ahead and give my little thoughts on uh, on the track day over at gold rush but how was belle isle because i hear that it's absolutely rad <clears throat> yeah it was very cool well so you're right. It was a Friday practice day, free family day. It is the, I don't want to be, we've talked about the performance on Wednesday, John Mac. I don't want to be biased here and like be super pro GM, but I'll just state facts. It, it's the Chevrolet Grand Prix. Um, and so my employer, hysterically in the background. <laughs> <laughs> my employer GM uh, let employees go uh, without having to take a vacation day on the free family day on Friday. So you bet I took, took them up on that offer and I took, uh, you know, my wife and my two boys and I met some coworkers uh, to the free family day. Um, and that's kind of a good, good time to go to um, for things like if you're bringing kids and you're not super worried about having to watch the race stuff, you just want to have the experience. Uh, and yeah, it was awesome to see IMSA there. They just had the prototypes in the GTD AMs uh, and then IndyCar. Um, so it is on Bell Isle, which is an island on the Detroit river in between Detroit and, uh, Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Um, and the Island itself is super awesome, super nice. It's a state park. Um, so just awesome scene and place to have a racetrack. I will say from like a racing spectator standpoint, it's really not that great. The way that it's kind of laid out, the way the stands are and things like that, you can see like one or two corners at a time. It's a very flat track. So, um, it's maybe not the best to like go watch racing, but it's a cool place to experience racing. If that makes it's kind sense. of like Monaco in a way. Yeah, 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 I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yep. What an interesting um, comparison. Never on this podcast would yeah, I ever thought that we were exactly. Detroit and Monaco. Monaco. Holy smokes! Totally the same. <laughs> um, and like it freaking sucks getting on and off island because just one bridge and you have to take a yeah. a bus because you can't park on island. Anyway, yeah. 
yeah. yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it's super cool. Um, for the most part, my kids liked it. Um, yeah. They had a good time. Um, they also had a, the highlight for me uh, is they had historic race cars there as well. GT Masters. I shouldn't remember the name of it. I don't know. And they had uh, what might be one of my favorite race cars of all time. Uh, which is the 2003 Corvette C5R. Uh, that's the blue anniversary car with the red and white stripes. So very yeah. America um, raced at Le Mans. Unfortunately, that was like one of the only years the C5R didn't win. But anyway, um, damn, that was cool to see in person. And yeah, I that thing actually that. has side pipe exhaust on it. The, both the C5R yes. and the C6R and, and the, the C7R. C7R. Yes. Oh, yeah. I know this because so, I've absolutely beasted cool. it in Forza and the C6 and C7Rs. Do work. Yeah, you're not supposed car. to see the side pipes uh, in Forza if you are. You're doing something wrong in a good way. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. But like when they show you the car, like, anyways, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. not supposed to. Go oh, ahead I see what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So, so it was cool. Um, kind of bittersweet because it's the last year that it's on Belle Isle. Next oh, really? Year oh, that's race. unfortunate. Yeah, yep. Next year they're going to race in uh, the downtown streets of Detroit, which that will also be That's cool actually sounds really different. cool. Yeah, um, Detroit needs it, man. I'm, I'm dead serious yeah, when I say that. Yeah. Detroit needs something like that to go ahead and liven up the city because it's... Yes. I mean, you know, Detroit is... And I, it would be rude to say that it's a dump. That's not true, but it's no. definitely seen its fair share of like unfortunate circumstances yeah. over the last like 30 40 years and it oh. needs something to really bring it up yes the past uh wow 14 15 years that i've lived in michigan it's incredible how much it has improved especially oh, the downtown area but that's great to hear like when i first showed up granted this was in the recession 2008 um yeah. like there's nothing downtown there's no restaurants there's no it was a food desert as we say about things like that now and now like downtown is freaking popping it's awesome it's got a lot of that detroit swag and culture back oh yeah um, so i'm looking forward to the race being downtown next year in some that ways a- i think it'll also kind of suck from a spectator aspect street street courses usually do uh, but still yeah look forward i mean it. It, it, if you work in downtown detroit you know that weekend might suck but from a revenue standpoint for all yeah. the businesses within downtown Detroit and just in the entire city of Detroit and yeah. all its respective suburbs and whatnot, you know, that, that should yep. actually be very helpful um, and whatnot. And it allows Belle Isle to still be visited while not being used as a racetrack. So, yes. cause you mentioned the fact that it's a state park. That's I kind of view that as a win-win situation for the city of Detroit. Yeah. City. yeah there That's is, actually terrific. I, I think a growing portion of population that we're getting frustrated that, there's racing in a state park, which I don't know. I can see, I, I kind of see it, but I kind of like. Sure. Roger Penske is the one who put, puts all of this on, and he has put a unreal amount of money into Belle Isle, which is way better off because of it. So right. I don't know. Whatever. It's it's tricky. It's the same people that go ahead and complain with Formula One. Oh, it's destroying the planet and stuff like that. But what's really destroying the planet is all these jets that are flying across the wor- world yes. to go ahead and get from racetrack to racetrack. It's yeah. not yeah. Steb's car. Yeah, it's not Lewis's car. So come yeah. on, guys. Yeah. But that's awesome. Like to go ahead and talk about that. That's terrific. And uh, yeah. I'm glad that you had a good time. Belle yeah. Isle. I love to go check out Belle Isle one day. Then the t- when I finally get the time to come visit you in Michigan, we're gonna go ahead. And- I want you to take me anywhere and everywhere. Um, that Detroit there will be a rough. lot to do. Detroit yes. has an insane let's, amount of offer. I think hope. people don't realize how awesome the Metro Detroit area is. Anyway, oh yeah, 
absolutely it's it's really cool i i'd love to go check it out one day that's actually on the bucket list that i love to check out um by the way so you went ahead and while you were do, having fun at bell island doing that cool stuff at the practice session it wasn't the same day but it was within a couple of weekends of one another um as i was mentioning before we went ahead and discussed that with ronald i went to radford racing school uh two weekends ago as i said gold rush was having their track day for their rally um and it was really, really interesting. It was really fun. I've never seen anything like this before. You know, as a big fan of YouTube, um, I see a lot of these rally videos and whatnot. Uh, I know some people like them, so people don't. I think it depends on the vibe that you get. Sometimes, you know, especially the big rallies, it's these guys and gals that are spending like fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars to go ahead and just drive around really fast and whatever, whatever. You know, it looks like the smaller rallies they do it a little bit differently. You know, but it is like very supercar by and based and whatnot. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Let me be the first one to say that there's nothing wrong with that. But to uh, see, you know, it firsthand, it was kind of fun. It was really fun. I really much enjoyed it. Yeah, I've never um, really done something like that. So that's yeah, cool. yeah. I highly recommend. Um, I saw, you know, because not only did these rally cars come through, but then all the supercar and high-end sports car owners within the Phoenix area came down to go ahead and check it out. So you had this wide variety of car, of car, of car culture, excuse me, and that was great to see. You know, one of the uh, big uh, storage unit places that we have here in the Scottsdale area, uh, the Vault, um, whose owner is also Ron, by the way, um, he was holding um, Ant Anstead's uh, Alfa Romeo race car. And he drove what? that. Right. Oh yeah, dude! That Alpha, uh, that Alpha racer that you went ahead and saw on TT. That's and and sets. Uh, it's really cool. awesome. Um, and he drove that from Scottsdale down to Chandler. Nice. It was seven thirty in the morning. It was ninety five. Good for him. Yes. Yeah, good for him. Uh, absolute beast. That's the other thing that I want to mention. Um, I got there at eight thirty. Ronald, it was one hundred and six. One hundred and six at eight thirty in the morning. Oof. Yeah, it was a warm one. It was the people were on the verge of having heat strokes. I can tell you that right now. I had to go back to my car to get my other water bottle. I left it. I was like, I'm gonna need that. And I definitely walked my happy ass half a mile over to the parking lot and I walked my happy ass back on over with my water hat, smiling as best as I could because I was like, I'm hydrated. Um, you know, and I saw a couple of people that I know met up with a couple of friends, and it it was it was again the wide variety of cars and the, and the variety of the car enthusiasts that's really what was really making the the, the event like enjoyable you know i met ed bolian uh, i've mentioned ed bolian yeah. a few times on it's, the podcast that's the vinwicky guy that's the vinwicky yeah, guy okay. you know i met him super chill dude he he was on the rally um he did not bring his lp lp640 and he, i don't blame him did he bring it, anything yes he did he he brought uh, a new ish new gen r8 that he has purchased uh, not too recently. Um, he did say that as much as he would have loved to have bring his LP640 or the LP670 SV, it would not have handled Arizona or Nevada heat. I completely understand where he's coming from because it's true. The AC wouldn't have handled it. <laughs> it's just too hot. Bunchable in my opinion. But anyway, <clears throat> keep um, But just a great, a great event. Um, you know, some of the more better drivers still had to follow, had to lead, had to do lead follow, but they did let some of those guys and gals, you know, give it a little bit of a go. They use Radford's a relatively shorter circuit, Ron. I'm sure you know, this It used to yep. be Bondurant for those of you who yep. are wondering. So it's a small circuit. So with some of these high horsepower cars, they weren't able to really go ahead and give it a go, but uh, they were still moving down the, down the straights. Um, oh, 
it, and the Radford card was there. Um, not really going to get into that, but it was cool to see it in the flesh. Um, and just a great experience overall. Um, uh, if they do another rally where they go ahead and cruise down through Phoenix again, I hope that they do that. And I hope that they stop by a Radford or one of the other race racetracks that we have here in the city. Um, I think Apex is another one that's closer to like Scottsdale. And there's another one um, that might be better, uh, especially if they're staying within the Scottsdale area. But uh, overall, it was great. Um, yeah. I loved it. It was a great experience. So yeah. Saw two of my dream cars, which really made your boy Pete perk up with happiness. You know, that's always a, that's always a nice thing. Yeah. So the amount of C8s was ridiculous. <laughs> I will say that. That all being said, Ronald, um, there were two very interesting articles that you and I had discussed um, mm-hmm. that we wanted to go ahead and kind of talk about on tonight's pod. Let's go ahead and start you know, because we just had the Indianapolis 500 on Memorial Day. Yeah. Um, you have said multiple times on this podcast, it's kind of like the granddaddy of them all, which some people might argue with you. Some people may not. It's definitely up there within the top three biggest races on the entire calendar. Yep. Whatever organization you're looking at, yep. you know, you look at the here's the way that you should go ahead and look at the racing calendar on regards of whatever organization. The Daytona 500, huge. The Indianapolis 500, huge. Monaco, huge. Le Mans, huge. And for all intents and purposes, depending on what's happening throughout F1, Abu Dhabi is huge. Yeah. Yep. You know, especially yep. last year. Look at what happened yep. last year, right? Yep. So, you know, this article, it was Matt Hogan from Road and Track. Shout out to Matt Hogan for writing this up. He'd never been to the Indianapolis 500. Um, Ronald, you have, if I'm not mistaken, right? You've been I there. Have. I was there Will, the year Will Power won. That's 2019. Okay. 2018. 2018. 2018. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote up this article and he basically kind of put it in the, perspe- in the perspective as he was trying to go ahead and see if he could become a believer in India after attending this event. Yeah, because he, my, my impression I got is he's coming as a F1 fan. Correct. Which is me. Yes. So he's kind of speaking my language he's kind of i he's i'm speaking through him vicariously if you will sure and i read this article and i've watched the, the indy 500 a couple of times on on tv it's tough right because as cool as it is it is a two and a half hour three hour race you know especially with safety cars if there happens to be wrecks and there will be wrecks because <laughs> if i'm not mistaken ron we we talked about it two episodes ago um three episodes ago excuse me trap speed around in around Indianapolis Motor Speedway is about just a tick over 240. Yeah. They are moving. And so when you're moving at pace with these cars within a couple of feet from one another, which will then go ahead and perhaps take a bump and then move right over next to you, they're then inches away. Um, this, has, this can cause issues. But at the same time, this does start to show why these men or women, because there have been a couple of women who have raced the Indy 500, if I'm not mistaken, Danica Patrick almost won it a, a few years back. Um, this shows why they're some of the best race car drivers on the planet. And, and, and I'm not just saying that. So you read this article as you as an avid Indy series fan, what was your take? What did you feel that Matt Hogan was able to go ahead and represent? I mean, I liked it. it if, if anybody wants to look it up, the, the article is the Indy 500 made me a believer getting swept away at racing's biggest mega church. Um, and I thought it, I thought it answered it well. He's, he does, in my opinion, it's a good take. He's not saying IndyCar is better than F1 or vice versa. I 
can't stand when shit like that gets ranked anyway but but he's just yeah coming at it from this perspective of uh he's an f1 fan he's never really been interested in indycar he sees it as, saw it as cars turning left type of deal um and then he showed up and watched it and it was like oh oh wow I get it. Like it's that kind of an article and it's just, it's well-written. It's not that long. So I, I recommend um, people read it. Um, and he talks about, let me see if I can find some verbatims here without reading the whole thing. Sure. Um, like you said, it's, you know, they're going 240 miles an hour. So one wrong move and it's Armageddon. Like it's, it's, you're dead one not literally hopefully but one right move and you're an inch closer to a seven figure change in your net worth so like there's huge stakes at hand yes and the consequences are big and every little choice you make as a driver has a potentially big impact so it's exciting for the whole race um he says it's only lap four and i'm entirely convinced not just that the indy 500 is a great spectacle in racing but indycar is as a racing product superior to f1 and sports car racing only racing i followed closely I'm also sold on, amongst other things, oval racing in general. NASCAR conceptually, uh, 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 general dynamics, well, yeah. Um, man, there was one other verbatim I wanted to find. But essentially, he's he's saying, okay, I'm watching this. Yeah, there's some players. Okay, sure, like these three guys are going to win. And then he shows up and finds out like, oh, anybody's got a chance to win? And wow, like look at this guy picking through the field and all the fans are engaged. There's freaking 350,000 fans. Um, yeah, and, and like he closes it here. Uh, Erickson passes a ward and the crowd goes wild. This is at the end of the race. Uh, his friend and him are, are yelling um, about a man who we couldn't have picked out of a lineup three hours ago and now are two new converts swept up in the fervor tension and excitement boil over with only a few laps left erickson builds his lead to four seconds as the future comes into focus and the world falls apart because then there's a yellow flag and it all happens again um so i I could go on forever but it's just the article in my opinion is just one of the best most well-written articles of everything and and he just does a good job of putting the picture of why uh the racing product of indy the IndyCar series in Indianapolis is just really freaking good. Yeah, why it's so incredible. Um, one of the things that he mentioned that it really stuck out to me was, and this is saying a lot because uh, ever since the world has opened back up after the pandemic, you know, during this pandemic that we are still going through, but, you know, things have opened up and that's fine. Um, but there was 350,000 people like on the day, not not throughout the weekend, Right. The not F1 style. We're like, oh yeah, we had 300,000 spectators and it's across yeah. four days and it's right. the same. That... Yeah, it's really 80,000 people or something. Anyway. Exactly. No, no, that's okay. That's it, it, that's not a slight. It's just, you know, and to be fair, when there has been nearly half a million people within a weekend, like that's pretty incredible. It's still in and of nuts. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but 300. I just think it's deceiving the way they do it. But anyway. Sure. Thanks. Yes. I mean, it's Formula One. What else do you expect, right? <laughs> I can say that. I'm allowed this to say is, that. Yeah. This indie thing is literally 350,000 people, people strong. In one place. Yeah. And, and that what I was going to get so, at was, you know, that was easily the most. Um, it was the most, uh, most attended one event place since the pandemic. Since yeah. the pandemic, yeah. by far. By like, it wasn't even close. Yeah. It wasn't even close. And, and it's yeah. funny you say that because even the United States Grand Prix uh, in Austin, which is held uh, at Coda every year, 
um, that was highly attended last yes. October yes. by like a yes. lot of people. I think on race day, they were closing in on about 200K. I don't think I'm exaggerating yeah. that yeah. number. No, and that throughout right. the weekend, it was like 400,000 yeah. people, which is yeah. nuts in and of itself. So, you know, if you can just imagine, and I'm sure that if, you know, Ronald, I'm interested to go ahead and see would F1 ever use Indianapolis Motor Speedway for a Grand Prix? Or would well, they, they used not? to? I know they used to. Would they ever consider doing it again? You think? I doubt it. I don't. I think there's too many politics. In fact, no, because look, they're freaking building street circuits in Miami and Las Vegas instead of going to one of the coolest racetracks on the planet. So that's true. No. But at least they have Coda. At least they have yeah, Coda. Which yeah, is- I highlight Coda a lot. I would rather IndyCar went to, or uh, sorry, I would rather F1 went to Dakota than Indianapolis. I would. So, well, one of these days, I will, I will definitely punch a ticket and yeah, head over to, yeah. to Indy. I, yeah, I, I'll say. Thinking about this now, I don't know how many people were at Belle Isle. Certainly less than a hundred thousand. Um, probably like thirty thousand. I don't know. And like, man, it sucks to get on and off island and everything. Versus Indianapolis, five hundred when I went, and I'm assuming there's also three hundred fifty something thousand people. Like seamless like they have got to figure it out it's really not like yeah there's a shit ton of people but like you're not waiting four hours to leave and things like that like you just and to, to be fair indianapolis is one of the biggest cities in the midwest you know because yeah, it's up there like, with chicago and it's up there with oh yeah yeah you know. and there's all kinds of streets and infrastructure around it so it's not exactly. fair to compare it to bell isle but point being well like but we've seen stuff with f1 recently go to like how much of a shit show it is getting in and out um and, and i don't think that's necessarily an f1 problem i'm not trying to well, do my, miami was a bitch but, yeah. miami was a yeah. bitch like let's point, be real point being the racing fan experience for the indy 500 is just it's good it's just so good it is. it's just so good uh i want to experience it really bad there's another event that i really want to experience and here goes the next one i don't know if anybody i mean you and i have heard about it because it's one of the bigger racing events on the planet um it is the isle of man tt if you're not familiar with the isle of man tt it's essentially um the isle of man which is just outside of great britain it's within the united kingdom if i'm not mistaken um and it's motorcycle racing um and they i want to forgive me i should have probably looked this up wrong prior but i want to say it's about it's a it's a long way let me i'm going to look this up right now and i apologize if you're listening to this and you're like oh my god jorge you weren't fully prepared yes i was not I sincerely apologize for that. Um, looking it up right now. I want to like the track length. It's like 30 something miles. Yes, yeah. it is. Um, and the lap record has been set in 2018. Um, the average speed was 135 and a half miles an hour. Oh, goodness gracious. That's Holy insane. I knew it was nuts. Whoa. That's insane. Um, so on it's a, a freaking motorcycle on the street. Yes, and it is, and it's not like it's like interstate straight. Oh, it's through towns. It's you know, it's it's at its current length right now. It's thirty seven point seven three miles, and it has an elevation goes from sea level to thirty to thirteen hundred. And this this is this is an island that is in between England and Ireland and Irish Sea. So it's like. I think anybody can imagine what roads look like there, right? Like it's small. narrow. It's if you've narrow, seen any B roads in the United Kingdom, there's on nothing YouTube. straight. Exactly. It was designed for horses. So, yeah. And so it's an, an extraordinary thing to watch. 
130 sure something miles. Are, God dang, sorry. Just no, 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 wow. it's okay. Because we're going to go ahead and get into, when we talk about the millimilia or later on, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the reason why, why it's such an extravagant thing. Um, but these are motorcycles traveling at 137 miles an hour on average. That is an insane average. That means that, I, Ron, I'm not great at math, but help me out here. That means at least half the time you must be traveling well over 150 miles an hour, right? If you're going uh, 37 miles on average. Possibly. It doesn't necessarily have to work that way, but possibly. It, I mean, if you're averaging that to. high a speed, yes. that means that you've hit, and most of these motorcycles, I think, top Probably. speed is 180, 190 miles an hour. So that means yeah, isn't it? You, yeah. you've hit 180, 190. At that point, I don't think it matters. It's freaking nuts. Yes. yes. Well, the thing is, the reason why I bring this up is because ever since the 80s, there's only been two years where they have not experienced the death of these riders. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a, I'm not laughing to make fun. I promise you, I'm not. But, but I have to put this in perspective for one second. Like, when does it get, to, when does it become too far that we've gone? Because if you're losing one to two drivers a year, and I know that these drivers are deciding, or excuse me, riders, I should say. Um, by the way, there, there are videos of people in, uh, I think Travis Pastrana, it was, uh, ran Isle of Man in like one of his rally cars. I think I, I'm going to have to send it on YouTube. I'll share, I'll, I'll share it to you later. It is nuts. how Like he is moving. Um, and again, if it's not Travis Pastrana, I apologize. But I know that there's actual car footage of a rally car moving at pace. That's not the point. Ron, you have a race car race car driver mentality more so than I do. Um, not saying that you are all a pro, you're an amateur, but you still have raced multiple times. You and I kind of disagree on this because mm -hmm. as much as I love the Isle of Man TT, I feel like there needs to go ahead and be like a breaking point. And you wanted to go ahead and save your thoughts to my response for tonight. Yes. We're here. It's a summer solstice, tormenting tarmac episode 13. Please share your rebuttal right so now. so here's my take on this um if this was just about anything else say f1 or indycar where it is like a series and to have a chance to compete and win someone's dying every year then yeah that's too far that's not okay because people are as we saw like in the 60s with everyone people are are not going to say no they're going to do it anyway and it's we can't accept it. Uh, and especially with how we know safety is these days in racing. Uh, but to me, Isle of Man TT is different. It's not like a full racing series. It's not, uh, it's not, you shall accept potential of death for a chance at winning. Isle of Man TT is its own challenge. It's like Mount Everest, right? People are climbing Mount Everest and people die. Um, I wouldn't do it. To me, it's not worth that risk, um, but it's more of an individual kind of triumph. I mean, yeah, technically there might be winners, but um, so the drivers or the riders know what they're getting into. They know the risk. They know there's a chance that they could die. They know someone does basically every year, which I do think is sad, and I do think it's a shame, and I do think they could do more about it. But at the end of the day, it's not, I don't know, it's not like they're necessarily, it's not like, say, especially like NASCAR or something like that, like where 
there are people who are legitimately putting food on the table with this and you know we wouldn't want to put in their life at risk sure isle of man tt is like to me it is very much like i think mount everest is a good analogy it's 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 own endeavor and it's their risk and if they want to do it like dude you're freaking nuts but it's your life i guess and it and i do think it does add spectacle to it mm-hmm. um and if there's ever a reason to say hold on this isn't okay is it's if that goes too far if it's only a spectacle because people might die right and it's not okay you know it's it's interesting that you brought up that mount everest uh comparison i think you're spot on on that um i i reached out to my buddy steven uh, he was with us on the podcast a couple of a uh, few episodes ago um and he's also very much into bikes just like uh, I, I appreciate them a lot more than ronald does um even... i think they're cool no honestly, i know you don't let, honestly, let me, let me be... i don't i don't let myself get into bikes because i know i would end up buying one and that's a bad idea for it's fair for me personally yes which is probably the dumb thing that i badly want a cafe racer anyway yeah I do. I do badly want a cafe racer. And here's, I'm in this weird dilemma where my wife says, yes, I'm cool with you learning how to ride a motorcycle. No, you cannot buy one. I'm like, she is a smart one. That's no, but uh, yes, she's brilliant. And I do love my wife, but she's put me in this like no win scenario of like, Oh great. I now have this skill that I cannot use. And put my money <laughs> that's not the point though. So anyways, getting back to Steven's thoughts. So I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, listen, man, I have a question. I know you're into bikes. Like I'm sure you're aware of the Isle of Man TT. Can I get your, you know, take on it? And he's like, I'm familiar with it, but no, no expert, which is perfectly fine. And, but I wanted to go ahead and get more his take on it because he's a motorcycle enthusiast. And so I asked him, I was like, you know, I know your love for bikes and I was curious on getting your thoughts on if you think there is such a thing as too dangerous when it comes to that race or perhaps just motorcycle riding in general, kind of doing a poll slash working on a basis of discussion, wanted to have this discussion with you on the pod tonight. So he says, I think so. But as a writer, this is his words. I think so. But as a writer, you always want more. It's the adrenaline. I used to watch um, Isle of Man TT and uh, the cheap P videos and think to myself, there's no effing way. Then I look at videos of myself carving canyons and then he asked himself, wow, I did that. So it kind of goes back to you, you meant two things that you mentioned in your response that made me go ahead and like, mm, I didn't think of it that way. A, the Mount Everest comparison, which I think is perfect. B, the Isle of Man TT, although sanctioned by a governing body, is not necessarily part like it's not part of the FIA. It's not part of any yeah, big structure. It's not MotoGP. It's not even MotoGP, which is, which actually is. If people were right dying there. all the time in MotoGP, I think it would be a problem. It would be point. a huge problem. Yeah, they, they, they would have been banned years ago. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the Island Man TT, as opposed to being a racing event, it's more of a racing experience. The word is experience when it comes to that. And I think yeah, good that me as an avid enthusiast of whether or not it's motorcycles or anything racing related needs to understand that there is a massive difference between an event and an experience. And an event can be correlated back to, oh, okay, it's part of this respective calendar of the things that we do. Like if, if you're going to race in our program, if you're going to race in our series, these are all the places that we go to. The Isle of Man TT is it's a standalone thing, mm-hmm. which is brings great revenue, I'm sure, to the Isle of Man. I know it does. And then all this, you know, anybody who's got balls bigger than brains is going to go ahead and intent is going to go ahead and, and do it. And that's cool. Like, I would love to do it if I didn't have kids and a wife, you know. Um, and, and I guess that's the way that I should be looking at it and understanding it. 
Yeah, know. but I mean, I mean, to your initial point though, like at the very least, is you know, it's good that people like you are questioning it because I'm not an expert on it, and and I should mm-hmm. educate myself further before I say things like this. But like, I get the impression that they could do more to make it safer. Probably, and and maybe are leaning in too much to the well, people could die, and that's why it's exciting, right? Um, well, people could die. I don't know if I that mean, means better people crash die in safety. Formula One. Yeah, yeah, yep. we've seen people die in Indy. We've seen people die in NASCAR, like in any of the big racing. In but it is like extremely the exception. Yes, and very rarely happens. Right. Jules Bianchi died in 2015. What was the, what, who was the last F1 driver to go ahead and die before Jules passed? I don't remember, and I should exactly my point. That's exactly <laughs> well, okay. My point. <laughs> All right, it's yeah. well done. You know? So it, 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 it's such a gap. You know, we had Roman Grosjean had his terrible yeah, accident in, yeah. in, in Bahrain back in 2020. Yeah. You know, Ryan Newman and, Daytona 500 last year too. I think that was frightening. Yeah, yeah. There's been big accidents, and these these drivers get out thankfully okay. But you know, then you have these. What was really frustrating about watching Bahrain, not to go ahead and get into this, but I think it's part of the discussion. The problem with what was going on in Bahrain is like, you know, Grosjean gets out largely uninjured. Thank God. He burned his hands to all crap, obviously. It took him months of rehabilitation to go ahead and get his hands and back working the way he wanted him to. He couldn't drive a car for like a few, several months. And it was the last time that we saw him in Formula One. And now we're seeing him do his thing in IndyCar, which is freaking amazing. Roman Grosjean is a beast. He yep. really is the yep. Phoenix. But I remember, Ron, they kept on playing the replays. And you were, I know you remember this vividly because Danny Rick was one of the m- many drivers who spoke out on this. Um, he was like, A, I don't like the fact that they keep replaying it for the spectacle. B, you know, we have to go back out there and yep. whenever they clear out the track. They're not going to stop this race. They're going to make oh. us go back out there. And when you have a guy like Danny Rick, who is one of the biggest personalities that they have in F1, one of the better drivers, one of the biggest risk takers in the entire sport, and he's questioning it, yeah. like there's sanity to these things, guys. Like yep. regardless of the insanity that goes into it, there's still a level of sanity. And for entertainment purposes at times, they just say, oh, well, it's still a spectacle. Well, F the spectacle, like – if some dude almost burned alive, like at some point you got to go ahead and say, hold up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially when it's preventable. When it's which in Grosjean's case, it was. So. Roman, not by Roman. Roman was just oh, like, right. yeah, not saying a that. circumstance, yeah. right? Yeah, but that's yes, what I mean. You are right. but the circumstance was preventable. Exactly. And the Isle without Man changing deaths, the show, without changing the quality of racing. Exactly. And the Isle of Man deaths that have happened over the last 40 years when there's one to two a year, which is an insane amount. Um, when you really think about it, like losing yeah. two out of however Probably many too riders. Much. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot, man. Like one is a lot. Yeah. How, how about you go? How about the Isle of Man TT? If they can really set themselves a goal of like not losing one person for a year, that would be a great start. Yeah. Let me just throw that Wild out. Wild concept. What a, what, yep. what a concept. Maybe um, if they could try and do that, that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. So it's it's this weird. Sorry, it's this weird thing of they're trying, and it's been a thing since like the early 1900s. 
But technology and motorcycle riding has come such a long way that I'm sure that we can go ahead and try and figure. And I'm sure that ratio has really come down since the early 1900s. I can't even imagine the amount of people that were dying in 1920 and in 1930. But, you know, yeah. I don't even want to know. Right. I'm sure it was like what's gone down from like 50 to yeah. 40 to 30. And now we're only at two guys. Back when like there was F1 races where multiple people were dying a weekend. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the same weekend that Ayrton Senna died, the, another driver had just tried had just died in quality. Yeah. Roland Ratzenberger. I exactly. Believe. Yeah. So it's just like it's preventable, especially in 2022. So I wouldn't want the Island Man TT to go away, but I would really like for them to revisit like the safety measures for these riders. And if the riders are going to have a problem with it, fine, don't race, you know, and then they're going to say, Oh, people are too weak and stuff like that. Okay. Go ahead and tell that to your family when you're dead. You know, it's just, it's, 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 it's an interesting concept, but uh, I think it's catch 22. It is a catch 2022, but 2022 excuse me catch 22 uh but yeah no i just wanted to really get that out there i think it's an incredible event that can continue to be great without really pushing it so maybe maybe you've already said this i don't know you should put a poll up on on tt i have actually and uh shame on me did i even vote in it i probably did you did actually you were one of the two people that said no they should not do oh which is actually all said yes they should do something about it and well and but i don't think that they meant I don't think they wanted to get rid of it. I think that they needs to be revisited. Yeah. Because again, yeah, I don't, let me be very clear. I don't want that that's race fair. to be gone. Um, but I also recognize the dangers of things. And if you can go ahead and make the co- sport cool, but without losing people, mm-hmm. without extraordinary circumstances, that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. yeah. But um, there, we oh, before we go, if I'm not mistaken, Ronaldo, you did have a this or that for me this week. Yes. So my this or that is maybe kind of lame, maybe not, but it's a real life this or that problem. So I thought I would see your take on it, because I've been asking all kinds of different people and man, I just can't decide. All right. So I'm potentially building the C4 as a champ car. Um, But even for the C3, um, I need to be able to tow it to and from races, right? Um, But at the same time, like I want to bring my family and stuff with me, you know, especially like champ cars, pretty family friendly um so i can go two kind of routes here and i'm trying to keep this affordable um one is buy an rv and tow a more affordable trailer uh with the c4 or the c3 in it uh and then the family chills in the rv while i sweat my butt off or freeze my butt off working on the car two in the morning when it breaks (coughs) or uh, the other is potentially keep the van. I have a 3500 Chevy Express van um, and buy like a toy hauler, which is a much more expensive trailer. Um, but so it's got like an RV camper on the front, say third of it ish. And then the last two thirds, you put the car in. Um, in total, these are roughly the same sum of money. Uh, and it's such that I'm not like buying this tomorrow. Like, um, but it's what I would probably work towards here in the next couple of years. Uh, so I don't know which way I should go. At one point I was convinced I should buy the, keep the van and buy a, uh, uh, toy hauler as they call it, because mm-hmm. I can use the van for other stuff. On another hand, it would actually be really nice to have an RV and it's separate. So that way, like if I'm in the, in the trailer working on the car as an option, I'm not waking my family up in AC and yada, yada, yada. So I don't know this or that. That's a good one. 
and you have uh, really piqued my interest in my brain, Ronald. So uh. As you were going through all these things, I was really trying to go ahead and see what I know about Ronald. And I know a lot. <sighs> okay. The 3500 is a terrific piece of equipment. Maybe very good. It gets the job done, man. It, it gets the job done. But also, I am convinced that a van is better than a truck. So, yes. At this point, it's just so freaking practical. Yes. Um, and that's what, when I say the 3500, I'm referring to your actual van itself, yeah. not necessarily a 3500 dually or anything like that. Right. Although, you know me and you know how much, how much I love a dually. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I can tell you, dually is not in the budget. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, yeah, I know. Dooley's right. anyway. Fun. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, we're moving on. Um, that toy hauler thing sounds really fun. Um, here's the thing. How much of a livable space is it in the toy hauler compared to an actual RV? Like, did you mention the actual size of the RV if you were to go to that? No, I, I would probably do a smaller one. Okay. Um, maybe like a van-based one. Um, or I might do a Class A, which is the more bus-shaped ones. But I would probably do a smaller one, just budget-wise. Sure. But but it is bigger livable space than a trailer, for sure. sure. A toy-hauler trailer. Now, I have thought about buying a regular car-hauler trailer and converting it and making livable space in it and making it so, like, I take the car out right there. Hold on. down and stuff like that. Hang but, on. Anyway. Don't do that to yourself. You literally just built the barn. Yes. <laughs> do, do I need to remind you that you just rebuilt your barn so you can then put in your cars in there? So why yeah. would you go? I know that you are uh, yeah, very no, good with th- your hands. This is why I'm asking this. I know, Everybody's this got a different is... take, but every time someone t- talks to me, I'm like, oh, shit. that's right. I definitely <laughs> would say I'm leaning more towards toy hauler, even though it's a little bit smaller of a living space. But here's my thing. When you are there, um, at said racing event, the amount of time, I, I know you were saying, oh, you know, the kids and the wife are going to go ahead and be in the toy hauler and whatnot uh, while you're going ahead and sweating and stuff like that. But that'll be the middle of the night. So they're going to be sound asleep during the day, during the event, the likelihood that they're going to be inside of the toy hauler is relatively not as much time as you probably think that it's going to be. Right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't so, know. I don't know. And I feel like these toy haulers are more luxurious than people give them credit for. Um, I mean, you can get some really nice toy haulers that the, first of all, the car storage area of it is really, really nice. So you can have your, you know, uh, your pullout drawers and everything like that for all your wrenches and all your tools and all that good stuff. And then you still have, let's say a decent sized studio type area for the living space. Right. And I'm sure that your, and, and you've, your van has not let you down a B it's easy to replace a van like it's like that. I feel like it's easier to replace a van than it is to replace an RV or a toy hauler. So I think as crazy as it sounds, I think I would go ahead and put my money towards doing the toy hauler and replenishing the per the, the cost effect of one, which would be once you feel like, Oh, I've gotten too many miles out of this van. It's trying to go ahead and like sell it and get me something else. Whereas you know, you're going to have, you could have a really re- relatively high maintenance bill on a, on an RV, regardless of the size. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. so and, and not saying that you're not capable of doing your own maintenance, but when you're already doing maintenance on a race car and then on yeah, other cars, why oh, yeah, the hell would you want to go ahead and add more maintenance on an RV? It's a lot. Yep. So 
let's am i allowed to put that up on tt as a poll sure so get a toy hauler or an rv <laughs> yes. yeah i vote i vote toy hauler okay you okay. know two kids I, I am sincerely split on this yeah what, what does One, your wife think have you asked i'm assuming you've asked the wife what does she think her biggest concern and it's a good one but it, i think it's possible to mitigate it but still is child car seat safety and the van has latch and it's it it the van is crash tested etc rvs are not so like yes you could you could put car seats on like the kitchen bench seat of the rv if you will but it's not anchored to the frame necessarily that definitely um, doesn't sound sketch at all yeah like if you ever look at pictures of rvs that are crashed it ain't, it ain't pretty um so at least cheaper ones um you know the big nice bus ones are a different story but um so so that's her concern which i could i'm an engineer i could find a way to more safely fashion car seats inside an rv i know i could but um that yeah that's so again, that goes back to then you're buying an RV just to go ahead and do more engineering on anything yeah, that didn't yeah, have yeah, that but, to begin with. But dude, you know I me, mean? I can't leave shit alone. If I, I buy know. a toy hauler, I'm going to mess with and upgrade and change. Which is it true. You're going to go, but buying a toy hauler, at least you're going ahead and making it up to your own specs in the sense of I have it. Now I'm just going to add my tweaks. Whereas yeah, you're buying yeah. an RV and it's like, okay, now I have to go ahead and figure out how to go ahead and make this child safe. You know, yeah. wh- why do that to yourself when you've already yeah. got the van for that? And let's say the, I feel like the van is easier to replace in the sense of like, if you want a more child safe vehicle, then you just sell the van and buy yourself a more child safe um, vehicle that is, that is a very tow capable. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that's just my, I, I go, I'm with, uh, I'm with Mrs. Hounds and Horsepower, AKA Home with Hounds. <laughs> I'm with Mrs. Home with Hounds. Yep. If she's listening, right. which I know yeah. she does, yeah. I'm with you, man. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so this has been fun, Ron. Uh, I think there was one other piece of thing that I wanted to go ahead and discuss. Oh, yeah, the millimelia. Because like, we talked about it when we were discussing the oh, average right. speeds um, you know, of 137 miles. Millimelia. If you guys aren't familiar with the millimelia, basically it's 1,000 miles um, around Italy. Now, from 19... Spoiler alert, that's what Mila Mila means, is yes. a thousand miles. A thousand miles. That's literally yeah. what the actual definition is. Yes. Shout out to the Italians. They always make things so simple. I love it. Um, but essentially, from, I think, Ron, help me out. It's around 19, from the 1920s to actual 1957 was the very last. Oh, okay. Tork Daily, uh, our, our good friend over uh, on Instagram, one of the just amazing followers yeah, on Instagram. Good. Please follow. They're fantastic. Um they were explaining to me it was ended in 1957 officially, which is why you, when you actually see the Millimedia run now, the latest car you will find is a 1957. Now they have a Ferrari tribute section. So they run it now, but it's like, it's more of a road route. It's not like quite a, as a race right yeah, now. It, yeah. it can't, you, it, it is, they do have their competitive sections and whatnot, but back in the day, it was a full-on race. Was, Who could yes. go ahead and travel a thousand Freaking miles? Cool. The yeah. Yes. So Sir Sterling Moss, um, mm-hmm. when he last did it, Ronald, he was averaging a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, through that's Italy. Freaking so, wild. Similar to what we were just discussing with the Isle of Man, where it's like these tight, narrow roads, B roads through yes. the aisle, through this little island and stuff like that. If you look at how the non-freeways of Italy, especially back in the 50s, I can imagine. 
there was no freeways basically yes. so you're basically hauling ass through these towns yes. at over but, 100 miles an hour and this is in 50s technology this which yeah sure it was the greatest technology state, yes. but like drum brakes Yep. Soft suspension, really yes. shitty tires. Exactly. You know, rows of who knows what quality. Like, yeah. Not, not good quality or if any no. quality at all. So, yeah. Ron, if I'm allowed to say this, this is where the 300 SL and those cars, they, they shine. Like this was their events back in the day, the race cars. Hmm. Um, and so they run it every year. God damn it, I want to do it so bad. Like that has, like it's been a bucket list item for a long time, but I just recently saw one of my favorite YouTubers seen through glass, just run his, his respective car on the Ferrari tribute. So it's, it's part of Millamelia, but it's hosted by the prancing horses, if you will. And um, you can use anything, even modern classics. And because his is a modern classic, it's his, he has a 360 Magna. And it's 20 years old, so it's allowed to go ahead and be a part of the tribute. And he did it, and it coincides with everything that the Millimilia is doing. And so he was able to run it. <sighs> Once the videos start dropping, which they've started to drop on YouTube, please go check him out. Because, first of all, he's incredible. Like, he's an incredible follow on Instagram. And he's one of the better cinematography-based YouTubers in the game today. But, Ron, if we have money, will you be my co-driver on the Millimilia one day? Oh, I don't know, Ray. It sounds pretty tough going to Italy and driving expensive. Okay, fine. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I would ask you what car you would like to drive, but that is not something that I'm allowed to ask you on this podcast because of certain people. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being a troll. Um, it's been fun, man. Anything else you want to go ahead and get out to the people? We've, we've, re- we've gone through a lot of stuff tonight. No, that was a big episode. I, I, we've gone well over an hour, so um, yeah. I think I think it's good. Looking forward to next time. Thanks Absolutely. For it's always a pleasure to see you, my friend. We need to go ahead and you do too. this more often. Let's. Let, how about you do. stop being as busy as you are and we make this more of a weekly? I wish. Work's going to get even crazier for me. I know, so. I know. I'm going to have yeah. to go ahead and yank you out of like builds and stuff like that. Be like, dude, you have a <laughs> podcast, bro. But at the same time, you know, it's okay because I can go ahead and always do interviews by myself and you can go ahead and join me on the regular episodes and all that good stuff. Which, by the way, we I do have a couple of other guests lining up. Our friends over at DuPont really hook, are, are in the midst of trying to hook it up with somebody that we might be able to interview for the podcast. Ooh, if they can make it happen, excellent. Um, and then we have, uh, I, I think I've told you this, but I'll mention it on the podcast right now. We will have a kind of like an interesting car week special, if you will. Um, our friends automotive alex and krc and steven are going to car week later um, in the year and when they get back they're going to be joining us on the pod and kind of just telling us about their experience on it so that's going to be really really fun and uh, it's just great having them they were awesome guests and uh, ron's got a couple of more people over in the michigan area that are going to be hopefully sure. us at some point and uh just trying to make it happen here over on tt if you're interested on in wanting to go ahead and join us and you have anything interesting to talk about from your side of the automotive space yeah reach out reach out we're yeah. happy to go ahead and have you on or if you if, want to hear us if you have any ideas if you want to hear yes something. if you oh thank you ronald man you're say such it. a good podcaster bro um if you do have any ideas of what, what you can i say it's my us, 12th episode i'm a pro now uh, sorry keep going. Going. microphone and everything <laughs> <laughs> but yes as ronald stated if you do have anything that you would like for us to talk about on the podcast reach out you can reach us at tormenting tarmac you can go ahead and reach ronald at hounds.and.horsepower you can reach me personally at the double excuse me at the one and only jman19 i almost mentioned my wrestling podcast there for a second um if you are interested in wrestling you can go ahead and check out the double turn of course as well but uh ronald 
as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Everyone, thank you very much for listening to Tormenting Tarmac. You can go ahead and find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, um, and a few other places. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we'll catch you next time for our 14th episode. But for now, on behalf of Ronald Robert Morris III, my name is Jorge Eduardo Aquino Rodriguez. This has been Tormenting Tarmac, bitches. It's the podcast where the enthusiast never dies. Have a great day, everyone. I'm sorry for cursing, but I love you all.